Yes, we are watching indeed and listening, but that's just mainly you guys right now. Uh, thank you for joining us on another episode of An Earful in the Emerald City. We appreciate you guys being here, tuning in with us. Little Kings of Leon there for you. They uh, just played this weekend at the Gorge Amphitheater, so eh, I figured to give them a shot. You know, reason good reason to get them in there. I gotta say though, guys, gotta be one of, if not the most overrated group of all time. You guys, most overrated group of all time. I mean, what do they have? Two popular songs that anybody knows, and the top one is about venereal disease. Give me a break. Come on. That song, I counted 20 different individual lines, you guys. 20 total lines in that song, even if you count the chorus. I mean, if you're a rapper laying a verse down on a track, you got to come with 16 bars at least. You know, and and there's two, three, four in in a song. I mean, come on. Give me a little sustenance here, please. Satisfy my need. Good grief, but... Somehow they got a cult-like following, though. People will just watch these people religiously. So kudos to them for that. But uh, me, I'm working on my own little cult-like following here. So thank you guys again for tuning in. Appreciate it. Episode 88 here. Uh, this week's show, we got joining me in studio, Mr. Blake Kiltoff. A pretty regular guy here these days. Uh, maybe maybe one of the most regular. So he came out. A um, little caveat here for you guys. We recorded this right after the events of Charlottesville, it was like a day or two after, you know, so the whole situation was unfolding. So, so, you know, there's a little, little tension going on there, uh, because of that, you know, he's a, he's a pretty liberal guy. I'm becoming very conservative in my old age here. And, uh, you know, there was, it was a little tense, but we, we got it going. It was a slow start, but we got it going and it actually ended up being a pretty meaningful conversation and didn't completely solve, but got into and delved into and tackled some, kind of tough issues uh that we're dealing with these days you know so um so it, it was worth it in the long run but uh check it out let me know what you guys think and uh for everybody out there enjoy your labor day weekend this weekend hopefully you got the monday off i mean come on we worked all year for this shit you guys what the fuck are we doing here you know so i, I mean i think it's for labor that's what they tell us but really i think this is just a way to drown our sorrows of the summer coming to a close here because it already is, you guys. I mean, that's pretty much it. We're almost done with it. So, uh, yeah, enjoy your Labor Day out there. And, um, you know, I don't know if you guys heard, I'm sure you heard the news, but a uh, nice little missile launch by uh, old Kim Jong-un up there, uh, Mr. Flattop. And, uh, yeah, so if this ends up being the last transmission before nuclear war breaks out, uh, we appreciate you guys supporting us. And uh, thanks for coming along this ride with us, you guys. So, And uh, get to the bomb shelter. Thank you guys, appreciate it, and hope you enjoy. I, and then I left, I was like, God, I gotta do like two or three a night to fill the craving I get for it. It's yeah. very... Now, when it's a god-awful set and it's just awful, then it's different. Then I want to kill myself. But <laughs> but generally, I kind of want to kill myself. So that's... Yeah. Well, you are a white male. You know, that's one thing we're good for. Are you really going to go there right away? 
No, I'm you doing just that. that's what this is. You're like, oh god, who who do I know who's tolerant enough to let me talk about all this shit in Virginia? Where is it? Uh, yeah, Virginia. Yeah, without interrupting me a lot because God knows the white man is under a lot. And this is Seattle. I can't even talk about. Who do I know who won't interrupt me? Well, you know what, Aaron? <laughs> I'm going to stop you right there. No, I've known you've been willing to interrupt me countless times. Um, that is an epidemic with white men. Suicide. Is it really? Yeah. Isn't that just because we're? Yeah. Is that per capita? I'm not, per I'm not capita? saying it's not our fault. I'm not saying it's not our fault. I'm just saying no. I think we just get sad more often, and we own most of the guns, probably too. That's probably part of a factor. Yeah, well. that that makes sense. Yeah, uh, gun ownership is yeah. definitely probably the leading indicator of suicides. Yeah, well, eighty. I think it's like eighty percent more likely to get shot or something. I guess the real question is not suicides, but attempted suicides. Is that is that uh, significantly different among demographics? That's a good question. That's a good question. Because, but that's the thing, though. Yeah, when you're using a gun, Hard you're not going to miss. Up. You're not going to miss. You're not going to go float it over your head and be like, you know what? I changed my mind. You know, if, if you did light. fuck it up, that would really kind of underscore the fact that you are a loser mm-hmm. and you do deserve to. <laughs> like, if you can't even blow your own brains out with a gun, it's like, oh man. Yeah. At that point, you're stuck getting remedial work, and you're going to fail every interview. Like, half your face is gone. They can see that you tried <laughs> to blow your own. So, are you good at counting Melvin many? Yeah, I can count one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we should trust this guy with a, uh, a, a till. <laughs> I don't know if we should trust this guy with a barcode scan. Dude, it's happened, though. That's the crazy thing, is it's happened. What? You know, there's some schmuck who did try to off himself, and he went right through his cheek. Because he didn't realize that you actually have to hit your brain, and your brain's not in your mouth. Yeah. And then, uh, and no, there's yeah. people who've been shot in the head and shot themselves in the head and had bullets lodged in the brain and stuff, and they've lived for normal life. There was one guy who got shot in the head, not suicide. Uh, I think it was in World War One or the Civil War. And like when he was like 65 years old, like 40 years later, he sneezed the bullet out. <laughs> like it just slow. And this is like, in the, I read this in the medical textbook of medical anomalies. Like it, this was not like a internet thing. This was like a, you know, in a book. So mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> they had photos and stuff. <laughs> oh, they had photos even of the, of the of specimen the, of the spe- like not of the brain, not of the Civil War wound, but yeah. <laughs> what kind of imagine the kind of relief that would come along with that? Sneezing out a bullet that's been lodged for it, decades. It, it like that feeling you get when you're like kind of constipated and you finally <laughs> drop that deuce and it plops into the bowl and just your whole sphincter is just like sending waves of euphoria up to your brain. Probably like that times ten. Like. Ten? It's probably like a hundred. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? That's the crazy thing too. When like, well, you don't have a prostate in your head. Well, yeah, but a fucking piece of metal lodged in there. Jesus Christ. That's the thing about getting shot in the head a lot of people don't realize is a lot of the times what kills you is it'll crack your skull when it goes in and then once it gets into your head, it bounces around a couple times. It yeah. bounces off your skull, hits you a couple times, so it's like, yeah, we're wrecking shop up here, so you're pretty much going to be done. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that was, a, that was a musket shell. Or That's why spray paint cans will never be sentient because they got that little rattle in there. Uh-huh. You have to shake them. Yeah. We're, we're retarding them down every time. That's true, yeah. That's true. That that in the toxic fumes, you know. So, um, thanks, by the way, for letting me use your bathroom when mm-hmm. I got here. Yeah, no problem, you know. I figure uh, you didn't use it last time, so I owe you one. No, I didn't. I feel like I should be clear. I, I did pee while I was here. I just mm-hmm. didn't use your bathroom. 
Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Hey, you actually, you got to, every once in a while, you got to get one out with nature, you know, get in touch with that, you know, take advantage of either being a homeowner or being a renter of a home with some level of privacy and, uh, you know, do your business out there in the yard or something. Nope. Not, I'm a, I'm no, a huge I, proponent I of this. Didn't do it in the yard. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, is that what you call the mold patch that you have growing back there? Um, there is, there's, there's some mold in the yard. Yeah. We're working on it, but uh, a little something there. Shit. All right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, the big news of the week. Big news? You got big news? Are you pregnant? No, it's not about me. It's about our nation. Oh. Apparently, yeah. statues are a big deal now. <laughs> Who knew? I mean, I'm... I'm They're racist symbols of oppression. Oh, no, I don't mean that. I mean statues in general. I, I I mean that's that's my that's my take on this. That's my hot take. Is mm-hmm. like, well, maybe we just shouldn't do statues out in public. I mean, what what's the point? Like, it's you, to honor people so that they can live forever. They're dead. Yeah, but they're living forever. Okay, through what, our memories. What about the Statue of Liberty? What's the point of that? That was a that was a gift from the fucking French. What about those pig statues in Seattle? A marketing ploy. Right, right. None of these statues are useful, and they're all offensive to somebody. I mean, the pigs don't like those statues, and uh, black people don't like Confederate soldier statues, and Native Americans don't like FDR statues, and I'm sure there's some rich white people who don't like that Abraham Lincoln statue, or at least there were. No, they probably still are. Jeff Sessions, I bet he doesn't like that, Abraham. He probably, he probably goes out to the Lincoln Memorial and looks at that and goes, you motherfucker. <laughs> if it wasn't for you, my family would still be rich. Yeah, because he's not rich. Well, rich, rich, not in the monetary sense, but in the sense of owning people. That's Let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Blake. Hearts and minds. What kind of society... Let's the easily most easily offended among them wield the most amount of power. What kind of successful society does that? Oh well, that's a trick question. It what, is a trick you question. Said a successful society. Yeah. Um, I mean, what what kind of country are we going to turn into that the people minute. that bitch what? and moan the most get their way most often? Are you like auditioning for a shock job? job or something like no there's a very unopen-ended open-ended question what kind of what kind of i mean do you want do you want to have nail polish okay let me open the let, handles let me open it up for you, just you describe the kind let me open it up for you do how much power should we give people who are easily offended i mean is that what um, people should get, get should be you know where's meritocracy come into all this Hmm. I don't know. I just don't know where this is going to end. You know, that's the thing is these people are insatiable and, you know, they, they'll, they'll end up eating their own. Let's ask this. Uh, what do you feel or think is um, the basis of power in a society? Is it an equitable agreement among individuals or is it uh, coercive force or is it economic? It's it's definitely coercive force. It's that for sure. Economic, yeah. I mean, there's certainly something that goes along with that. You know, that's the second you have more money, you you have more power. I mean, some societies that's 
not as dramatic as it is in others, depending on the society. But everybody who has power has a little bit, you know, because when you can hire people to do your dirty work for you, you have power. You have power over them, paying the money, you know, whatever. Maybe they're not slaves, but you're paying the money. But And you're leveraging their time for your benefit. So that's always going to work out as power. But um, I, I don't, I mean, I don't think it's going to be, I mean, the first one you brought was civil agreement and you know that, yeah, that's always good when it can happen, but um, know, nothing, well, nothing it, recently that's gone has been really all that civil at all. I, what did I say exactly? I said equitable uh, agreement. What did I say? Yeah. I think that's what you said between amongst multiple parties. Well, um, I didn't really mean necessarily civil agreement in the sense of polite society. Mm -hmm. You know, civil is a fun word because it means like polite in the common language, but it comes just from like the Greek word for city. Mm -hmm. And it it literally just means like, you know, organized politics, people organized in a a, uh, city. I might begin that backwards. Polis is the Greek word for city, actually. And that's where the word politics comes from. I can't mm-hmm. remember what the root of civil is. I think it's Latin for the same thing. Anyway, uh, these words, they mean something in the in in the common tongue that is like, oh, it means you have to be polite and organized. And it's like, yeah, that's not really what it means. It just means you're part of the system or you're part of uh, this organized, <laughs> you're part of this uh, agreed method of managing things. In the in the pure sense of the word, you can have um, Thunderdome, and it's still politics. If if everyone agrees on the rules around Thunderdome, yeah. it's still civilization. You're still in a civil society. If people had take their arguments to the Thunderdome and do it in the Thunderdome, eh, mm-hmm. it's still sort of a civilization. Yeah, I mean, so, if everybody's agreeing on it, that's that's what it comes down so, to. So that's what I mean when I say is that what everyone agrees on. I think that's really the source of power. And this is an age-old question. I think it was really explored fairly well in the movie Conan the Barbarian with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, uh, who's the guy who does Darth Vader? Um, James Earl Jones. James Earl, I, I was going to call him Orson Jones. <laughs> I was like mixing up Orson Welles and James Earl Jones because they both have That's that like amazing voice. They yeah. just have that amazing voice. Orson Jones is uh, Thulsa Doom, the bad guy in... Conan the Barbarian, and he is also the archetype of a um, a ruler whose power. He's also a sorcerer, but mainly his power is persuasion. He's he's a he he's probably a metaphor for Hitler. I don't know. Uh, at the very beginning of the movie, Conan's father is sitting on the mountain, telling him to think about the riddle of steel. Uh, he talks about you know he tells a sort of Promethean legend of. Um, uh, crumb stealing fire from the gods in order to teach man steel and and anyway the riddle of steel becomes a, a theme of the movie and at the end of the movie uh, near the end of the movie Thulsa Doom has Conan crucified on a tree not a coincidental metaphor uh, and he uh, <laughs> sorry I'm mixing up scenes in the movie he doesn't say it too much he's got him uh, on the ground just, just before he crucifies him and he says uh uh Conan says to him, the, the riddle of steel. Yes, you know what it is, boy. Shall I tell you? The riddle of steel is this. And then he like points to one of his followers. 
up on the clifftop, and he motions for her, come here, girl, come on, come on, and she walks over the cliff and falls to her death, and then Orson Welles, <laughs> what's his name? <laughs> James Earl Jones. Fulsa Doom turns to Conan and says, that is strength, boy, that is power. And the point is, is that, like, and I, I, I flubbed some of the lines, uh, the the line is the real steel is that steel isn't strong, flesh is stronger. What is steel compared to the hand that built it? What is uh, your sword compared? No, look at you, look at all your muscles. I gave you that, and that's his point. Is that like, uh, you know, in a it's just, it's just like in Game of Thrones when uh, Cersei and um, I'm reading the books again, by the way. Uh, uh, Leonard Skinner. What's his name? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not into the made-ups. That, okay. Uh, there's this great scene early on in uh, Game of Thrones, like book one, where uh, Cersei, the queen, is talking to um, this skinny spy shithead guy um, whose name is a uh, synonym for a small dick. His name's not Needle Dick, Littlefinger. She's talking to Littlefinger, and he's all like, uh, yeah, money is power. And and she says, power is power. And to prove her point, she like you know has some of her guards like threaten to kill him for no reason. She mm-hmm. doesn't have money. He has money. And she's like, yeah, power is power. It's a good point. You know, money is not really power. Money is only powerful because people agree on the means of transaction. Yeah. Uh, political power is only power insofar as people continue to agree to the system. Um, so really, one person's power to persuade others or a group's power to uh, get people to buy into their system of belief is really the ultimate foundation of um, civilization. Mm-hmm. So when, as a society, we agree on um, equal rights and equal value, of citizens disregarding the current way the world really works, but just in a theoretical construct. If we all agree on that, then we have to pay special attention to the concerns of every citizen. And those concerns have to be evaluated. They can't be dismissed out of hand, especially because those concerns might be more prevalent than we're aware of when our society is spread across a huge geographic region and it's not really possible for us to get input from everyone all the time. So, yeah, if a small group of people are really offended about something and it feels like it's five people out of a city of 10,000, it's easy to ignore them. But what if there are five people who moved here from a city of 10,000 200 miles away? Like, it's, it's, not, it's not fair to the foundations of our society to say that there should be a certain amount or a certain number of people who have to be present protesting to have a voice. Mm-hmm. No, but you, it's the point of a society though, is to help the common good, the, the common people. And we've talked about this a lot the last couple of weeks, but you know, it's when you say that of society, I, I think it is, it's supposed to work for everybody. Like you said, in, okay, I'll, we can't I'll take it back. Go ahead. We can't nuance it to 8 million people in the city of New York and make sure that everybody's, you know, that's just, that's not, that's not possible. I said, that's, I take it back. You're right. Go yeah, ahead. But you know, it's gotta, we gotta, we gotta try to get the majority of the people. And unfortunately that's like, 60%, you know, 55% sometimes. I mean, it's not overwhelming by any means, but you know, you got to try to do the policies and make, 
rules that are going to affect a majority of people's well-being and are some people going to be adversely adversely you know from it yeah pro- probably a certain amount you know and, and that's tough but um Again, that's the problem with when you got the the kind of numbers that we put up in this country these days. Why are we talking about this? This we're just talking, you know. Yeah, but how do we get? I was talking about how we should get rid of all the statues. Oh, and then I went into people getting offended, you know. Yeah, yeah. So my my point was, I don't think anyone would be bothered if we just got rid of all the statues. I'd be bothered. Why? Because. This is how people live on, you know. Like I said, you what? put up a you put up a bronze statue to commemorate the times that we've gone through. Like, the, like, we'll, we'll, let's go Robert E. Lee here, okay? And, and I'm not going to say they should have necessarily kept it up. I mean, if it's going to come to a civil fucking war over a statue, yeah, take it down, okay? Take it down. Even though I'm going to be upset, take it down. But we'll talk about Robert E. Lee, okay? Say, we'll say you're a black guy. You know, you've worked hard. What's up? You you've worked hard. So, you graduated high school. You went to college. Got a degree. I'm a fucking accomplished you black got, man. Yeah, you got a good job now. Proud you're, motherfucker. You're an accountant. You're good with numbers. Ooh. You're standing there and you're looking up at that statue of Robert E. Lee, the Confederate general, and you're saying to yourself, "Wow, wow, this is that this was actually okay at one point in this country," and and now look at me. Look at how far I've come. I've come all this way. I have a successful career as a black man, and I'm doing good for myself in this country where my ancestors were in bondage. This is incredible. Okay, that is a rosy picture of uh, what it would be like to be a black guy in, um, where is it? Uh, Charlottesville. Charlotte's, I kept, I almost said Birmingham. Be like in Charlottesville, Virginia, looking up at a soldier, a Confederate. Robert E. Lee's statue to take that moment and to look inward and and to reflect on um, that. Um, I feel like the reality of a black man experiencing Charlottesville, Virginia, standing in front of a Confederate Robert E. Lee statue and everything is probably going to be a little more nuanced, Mm -hmm. probably going to experience some real-world racism in that environment especially if he goes during a protest or something. Yeah. And to see that statue there without a protest going on, to just see it there the same day that someone called you a nigger while you were walking through the park might actually inspire you to think, God damn it, I can't believe we still have this shit here. Now, mm-hmm. but I think your scenarios, scenarios are possible. I, I think yours is more improbable than mine, though. Uh, Some guy just shouts nigger. I mean, well, that's how often sp- does this happen to people? I feel like... Every single black person I know has experienced racism. I'm not doubting it. And I'm not saying that the scenario I was painting was common. It was just an example. Mm-hmm. I think plenty of black people get called the N-word. I think a lot of things happen. I think a lot of things happen before that. I think build, my the build point up to that moment, stands. even when that does happen. I think my point still stands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, they're both scenarios. They're not necessarily across the board, but there, uh, there are certainly ways to look at it. Here's, here's my thing though. Okay. So now, so now we're getting rid of all, so we get rid of all con- the Confederate, you know, cause we don't like those guys. So what about, 
when we want to go to the American Indian Wars next. What the fuck are and, you arguing with me for, Aaron? And, My premise was we should get rid of all the statues. This is why I don't understand about you slippery slope people. What about this? What about that? And I just take it to the logical conclusion. Mm-hmm. Let's get rid of them all. And then you're saying, well, they're valuable. And I'm saying, okay, prove it to me. And here's your argument. Well, if we start getting rid of them, we're going to start losing the ones we like. I don't like any of them. Start with the opposite of Robert E. Lee. This is how I got to this. I was like trying to think of a statue I give a shit about. What's a statue I should give a shit about? The Statue of Liberty. Don't care. Get rid of all the statues. That's mm-hmm. my point. I, I, I'm, I agree with you on the Statue of Liberty. Let's get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> you see that movie Cloverfield? Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. yeah. Let's not just get rid of it. Let's build a giant mecha Godzilla to knock its head <laughs> off. Take it down in style. Or just, let's just get the truck bot, you know? That truck bot that picks up cars and crunches yeah, yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what you call Send him. Uh, no. I like Mecha Godzilla. That's why I'm going with it. Yeah, well, Godzilla is pretty trendy right now. It's probably copyrighted though. Yeah. Um, I, ju- I just feel if you know the second we start forgetting our history, I know it's right. cliche. You know, I know what? It's cliche, but I I actually expect it it, I actually do do expect this counter argument to the whole statue thing. It's like mm-hmm. hey, history heritage, blah. and it's like okay, if you want to preserve history and heritage, fine. Keep the statue. Keep Robert E. Lee where he is. Don't even change the statue. We don't need to change the plaque or anything. I don't know what it says. Robert E. Lee, great Civil War general, uh, gentleman loser of the South. Fine. <laughs> but if we're going to honor history and heritage, let's put up some more statues that honor history and heritage. Let's put up, uh, you know, some some dead black babies at the feet of Robert E. Lee. Mm-hmm. Or let's put up some statues of, of uh, slaves, get, or not slaves, free black people after the Civil War getting lynched. Let's find some spots where they got lynched and put up some statues of that. Or let's put up some statues of Chinese people at Amtrak stations. Like just, you know, the guys who helped build the railroads types. Not like modern Chinese people. Not like wax museum figures. But like you know, guys with the big hats and the pickaxes and mm-hmm. the stick of dynamite. Yeah. Uh, let's do that. Just lots and lots and lots of dead baby statues all over the place. And other forms of human suffering. Because if you want to, you know, commemorate our history and our heritage there should be a lot more suffering than we see see dead baby statues are not nearly as enjoyable as dead baby jokes oh, yeah the dead baby jokes is really where it's at as mm. far as the dead baby category goes i did say i don't want to with- i don't want to change the statue i do kind of want to just hang some dead babies on the robert e lee statue i feel like that would make everyone happy I'm I'm down I'm down with the I'm down with the Chinese railman from Memorial, you know. Maybe have some maybe have some guy lighten a fuse and he's running and he's not running fast <laughs> enough, you know, and then the thing caves in on him. He's like, Oh god, gotta get out of here. He's got one of the big hat on, you know, with the brim all the way around. One of my friends was complaining about uh how long it's taking for them to build the uh light rail station the light rail from like Bothell to Seattle. And that was his thing. He was like, fucking took America hundred years to get from a coast to coast building railroads. And we've been, we're, we're 10 years in. We still can't get light rail from Bothell to, to Seattle. What the fuck's, and that was my response. I was like, well, you know, they had a lot more Chinese investors when they did the, uh, the American railroad system. Yeah. Well, you know, let's not forget. There's, I'm sure there's plenty of Irishmen who died building the railroad. Plenty of Germans too, you know. Yeah, but no white people. Are Irish not white now? Uh, I'm. That's my new. I'm. I'm trying to reclaim the hashtag. Not all whites. <laughs> not all whites. Not all whites, man. Yeah, and we're not all evil. I know. 
Irish people were uh, cons- were treated poorly uh, up until like the I don't know thirties or so. They were like in the press and stuff, treated racially, like yeah. in an inferior race, mm-hmm. and they were discriminated against. Not to the same extent, and I'm not equivocating. I am. Well, it's different. What's well, different for everybody? I mean, it was different for the Jews than it was for. I just imagine blacks. someday some black guy listening to your podcast, and I, I just have to make these little caveat statements like i'm not equivocating i'm not <laughs> exactly the same. in no way am i condoning that but yeah I, I i don't know man it's i mean if, if you know if you want more statues that's fine i because I, honestly i i would never protest a statue and demand that it be taken down i might walk past it and say that's fucking stupid what the hell is that even and then i'm gonna move on with my life and i'm not gonna think about it anymore I mean, I do all the time, actually. They have some retarded clown statue down in Fremont that I drive by once a week, and these clowns are doing a little dance. And well, it's like, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I immortalize the guys who put a wig on, put a red dot on their nose, and then paint their face, and then do white face. Immortalize. That's a funny word. I never, I didn't think about that. Wouldn't that be cool if that was what happened? Like, like when we make a statue of someone, their soul actually gets trapped into it. <laughs> Those we, clowns are still down there. They're just looking around at all the hot chicks. Robert E. Lee's got like a hundred statues, right? So it's like, what's that thing Voldemort did to stay alive? Uh, uh, the Deathly Hallows. No. Anyway, you have no idea what I'm talking about. No. You don't do fictional stuff. No, but... God, you're fucking lame. Um, I got to work on my vocabulary, my pop culture references. I just, I draw a blank every time. You can't let them, you can't let them, you know, let's, let's, good callback. Yeah, no. You can't let them railroad your stories. Man, no, uh, Voldemort had these things called horcruxes, right? He split his souls into parts and he, he hid them all over the world in order to keep himself immortal. Mm -hmm. Well, if that's what we're doing, we make statues of people. It also means that they, uh, lose their soul and they slowly like lose. It's bad. Mm -hmm. So, Maybe more statues of people we don't like is the good thing. So you're saying that... Um, we water down their soul and we keep them from ever actually enjoying the afterlife. Okay. Like, so what if we bring all the statues back together? Then is that person whole once again? Um, not in the not in the fiction, not in the story. Um, I, they never really explain what you do with a horse. Because maybe that's Trump's plan. Maybe he's getting all these statues taken down. He's going to bring them all together. It's all part of his master plan. And then plan. now that he's the richest white supremacist <laughs> out there, he can finally have global domination. It's fun. It's fun going up to my boss who uh, voted for Trump and who defended him for like the first few months and, and just checking in every now and then. Like a few months ago, he just kind of randomly goes like, ah, I don't think I'm on Team Trump anymore. And then like a month later, he's like, nah, never mind. He's doing fine. And I poked my head into his office today. I was like, hey, how are you feeling about Trump? And he just looked. <laughs> his face just turned a little gray. He's like, hey, you know, I'm I'm the same. And I was like, oh, really? He goes, well, okay, maybe not. <laughs> it's just fun watching him, like, waver between loyalty and, like, critical thinking. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's, it's one of those things. Like, you're not, you're not going to agree with everything that your guy does. You know, I mean, if and if you do, then you're a sheep. You're just a sheep who says who plays team politics, and you just say, "Well, this is my team, so we're, I'm going to cheer for our team." Let's go, guys! All right, we got this. We got this. We're down by thirty, but you know, we're fine. We're fine. I mean, you you there should be some level of disagreement within your own ranks. I think it's completely silly to not, and that's that's what's crazy to me about the media coverage I see of Trump. It's one hundred percent negative. 
It's 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 literally. I mean, that might be an exaggeration, but it's ninety percent negative at least. It is interesting uh, reading multiple sources and trying to get um, multiple views on things, and noticing the ways that sometimes they cherry pick quotes. Like uh, if you find a quote, like um, I can't think of an example, so this is going to make me sound like an asshole to talk about. But I was reading a quote from the other day when he was talking about um, Virginia. And they, the quote was like one sentence, maybe two sentences. But the longer uh, comment from Trump was about eight sentences. And when you read the longer comment, he sounds more like a guy who's saying something off the cuff, who doesn't really know the details of the event who is is wrong, but, you know, the way he's saying it and everything, it's like, ah, he sounds like he doesn't really have a briefing yet. Yeah. And then when you read just the two lines that were bandied around as the primary quote, the primary reaction, and it's like, oh, is that all he had to say? It's like, wow, that's 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 fucking picking the, the choice meaty part of that quote and, and really whomping him over the head with it. Yeah. And at the same time, it's kind of like... Uh, <laughs> somebody being like saying three sentences and in one of them they use the n-word and then me sitting here being like well i don't know why everyone's picking on his that one sentence where he used the n-word it's like yeah that's kind of the point is the kind of, you know that the sentiment the overall sentiment is right there in the middle you don't need to hear the rest of the quote mm-hmm. so i i understand that uh, the person who is going to object or respond to what I'm saying is going to be, well, you know, you're not really, you don't need to hear the whole quote. And that's not my point. My point is that I heard, I was reading this one example and I thought to myself, oh yeah, this is what people are talking about when they say that the media is really beating up on Trump. Here's a clear example of uh, a small quote being taken in context and amplified when the larger quote is a little more mollifying than the whole thing. And and I've seen that happen a few times. So I'm I'm kind of in a roundabout way agreeing with you that yeah, the media feels like it is really targeting Trump all the time. I mean, it's I, I'm not exaggerating. I say 90%. It really feels like like CNBC, that's a business website. You think, "Oh, okay, the business, you know, maybe they're going to at least, you know, give them a little a bit of uh, the benefit of the doubt at times." Never. I see every headline on there that's about him is negative, one after another. And it's like, I understand it's it's kind of the form of the media. That's kind of how it works. You know, you can't, like you said, he, he had a longer quote. He had, you know, a longer thing. But you can't package that to people. You know, you have to condense that. You can't show them the whole thing. They, you have to go kind of search for the whole thing on your own. You got to look for that specifically to find that. They're not going to just give that in the news rundown. But, I mean, think about it. We do an hour each week, one hour. President's doing way more time than that. He's doing way more time each week in front of cameras, in front of microphones. He's got an hour and a half, two hours, three hours. If you want to find something lame or something stupid he said or something that was like, oh, hey, come on, man. That was, I don't know about that one. That was pretty ridiculous. You're going to find it. You're, you're going to find it. And that's why we're always going to hear about these things because it's just unavoidable. Maybe Obama, honestly, maybe he was a good enough and eloquent enough speaker that this wasn't an issue on a daily basis for him. But anybody who's doing that much time each week in front of the press, God, I can't, I can't even imagine how many times I would fuck up. I can't even imagine it. Yeah, I don't I don't see it that way. I um I think that 
Trump is fundamentally taking a flawed approach to communications as the president, as a politician. And the interesting thing, this is something I've been thinking about um, really just today. The interesting thing is that his success as a alternative candidate uh, really hinges on that unique approach to communications. Um, so I was thinking about, I was playing a thought experiment, which was what if, what if Trump's right? What if there really was violence and aggression on both sides? What if really, you know, both sides had their permits and they were two blocks from each other, but they really were not both sides. One side of their permit. No, they both had their permits. No, they did not. Yeah, they did. Okay. We'll look that up after. Go ahead. They, (laughs) they, uh, they both had their permits just to be clear. Uh, they were both, um, about two blocks from each other. What if they really were just attacking each other, just clubs and yelling at each other and escalated and one guy drove a car into the other. What if that's all true? Okay. The president comes out and says to a nation that hates Nazis, 300 million people, okay, 299 million people who hate Nazis, on both sides. Every other politician worth their salt who has access to the same information comes out and condemns Nazis. And I was thinking about this. It's like, why would Trump do that? Everyone, now, the simple explanation is because he doesn't want to condemn his base. Like, he is a Nazi, which I feel like is simplistic. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, just a little. Maybe Trump's telling the truth and all the other politicians are doing what politicians do which is try not to start a race war. <laughs> Maybe they, all the other politicians, uh, including the governor, including Obama, who come out and said something nice and anti-Nazi, are, are speaking to the majority of the country and which, saying the right thing in order to not piss everyone off. Which, is, fin- which is great, let and, but let, let me, us know that let, that's your deal. Just let me finish. I will. Okay, fine. I'm going to leave. Okay. Just kidding. Uh, what was I? I, just, I don't do well with interruptions. I lose my train of thought. Um, they were trying to stop a race war, which is which is maybe possible. No, I was talking about Trump's communication style. Right. So why would Trump do that? Because Trump's whole communication style, his whole candidacy is he's blunt, he tells the truth, he doesn't bullshit, right? And and gives it to you how it is. And his followers loved that when he was a candidate. And maybe in the seat of president, we're starting to see a real world example of why that doesn't work. I'm not saying that Trump is a racist, maybe, and that's why he's unqualified. I'm saying maybe being blunt and direct and and, and telling the truth, and, and again, just for the sake of your listeners, this is a thought experiment. Mm-hmm. I don't know what really happened, but Hypoth- if he, is a hypothetical. if this is true, then may and Trump is just being honest. Maybe this is a clear cut case of like, well, you shouldn't do that. Like Obama's tweet is the most popular tweet in history now, period. Mm-hmm. And all he said was like, "We condemn Nazis." That's all he said. We, we as a nation, condemn Nazis. No, he he made a Nelson Mandela quote. Yeah, okay. It had nothing to do with Nazis. Uh, it was about loving everybody. Children don't aren't born with, aren't born racist, and yeah, so yeah. you got to teach them love and all that stuff. It had nothing to do with Nazis at all. All right, all right. But um, well, and, and Brock's just he's just everybody loves him. He's the cool guy. You know, he's a cool hip guy. And like you said, that's I think that's why people revere him is because they like that cool hip guy. You know, he's fun. He's a guy you can get a beer with. You know, he'd be great. I'm not looking for that in my president. I don't need a cool hip president. I need a guy who's going to get shit done. I don't need a guy who's going to talk and who's going to say all the right things. These people, oh, he didn't condemn proper. He didn't condemn it properly. 
it's not going to bring Heather Hare back. Whatever he says, he can condemn every single group. He can go right down the line. It's not going to bring her back, okay? And this is just virtue signaling at its highest level. These people want him to virtue signal and say, "Oh, we condemn with strong with the strongest." Mo-. It, it it doesn't matter. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't move the needle at all. It makes us feel better, so we can forget about it sooner, and that's it. I mean, it, it just I don't understand why we're focusing on this now. It, this this that part of it has almost become a bigger issue. I feel like than the rally itself, which I don't know how that happened, but it seems like we kind of have made that transition in the last day or two. Hmm. It's interesting. Basically, you're making me think about the sort of dichotomy between the hunger for truth from our leaders versus the hunger for comfort. Mm -hmm. And what is the real role of a leader? Is it to tell the truth or is it to inspire good feelings? And uh, that's a tough one. uh, Well, I feel like it's, there's definitely a fine, there's a balancing act. You got to play there. There's no question. And where those lines are exactly. I mean, that's for anybody to decide, but I feel like Trump takes the truth, the truthiness thing to an extreme, though. I love the truth. I love the word truthy. I, I just truth, truthness, truthiness. I don't know. It's it's so hard talking about it in this atmosphere, mm-hmm. and I don't mean just your shitty apartment. I mean, <laughs> just in in today's era, especially mm-hmm. on the West Coast, it's just like it's so scary to talk into a microphone about Trump and and have anything other than critical vitriol. It's like, uh, well, like my thought experiment, which I keep having to emphasize as a thought experiment because I'm afraid. <laughs> so what if he's the telling the truth? <laughs> yes, you are a racist, Blake. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Just a thought experiment, guys. Like, why? I, I try to rationalize things. And so I'm trying to rationalize, like, why would Trump say something like that? And the scary thought is that he's, he's really that ham-handed and, and racist. And he's just flying off the cuff with his Twitter account, and no one can stop him. And he's surrounded by yes men who are insisting on uh, augmenting his reality so that they can accumulate more personal power. That's a lot scarier to me than like, well, maybe he's just telling the truth, and the rest of the media is, you know, painting a picture that augments their uh, desired political outcome. Which, yeah, that doesn't seem that far fetched to me. Mm-hmm. But. Him communicating the way he does seems to foment that. It's something we're definitely not used to. Okay. There's no question about that. And I heard him talk today. And yeah, he says shit that I don't like too. He he says stuff. You know, he adds these little vindictive kind of twist the knife a little bit when he's, you know, I don't want to say condemn because I'm just talking about people in general. But, you know, when he's criticizing somebody for whatever reason it might be, he, he does these little vindictive twists just to add to it. And it's like, we get it. We saw the tone you were going for there. It, okay, it was already clear before you added that little extra to it. So, uh, I mean, we, it's definitely something we're not used to. And again, we go from Barack Obama who, I mean, there's some great great Obama blooper videos out there. Don't get me wrong, but 95% of the time guys on point, especially when it, when it comes to his public speaking, he says the right thing. He says it the right way. Guy, the guy was good. It was a big part of why he got elected. And we're dealing with the complete opposite of that. Now we're dealing with rough old white guy who calls it how it is. And, you know, pushes the limit a little bit sometimes. And, and again, like I said, gets a little vindictive when he might not need to. You know what this just reminded me of is um, that old 
trope that guys would say when they were caught being an asshole. They would be, they would be like, "Hey, I'm just being honest. Just being honest." Yeah. You know, I just call it like it is. Yeah. I I work in IT, right? And there's all these guys in IT who no one wants to talk to because they have that attitude. Like they will call a spade a spade, but mm-hmm. really they're just dicks. Yeah. Well, they're going out of their way too often to do that. Yeah. 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 And that's that's kind of what the whole like Trump yeah. in twist of the knife thing kind of reminded me of too. He, it's like, yeah, I mean, he maybe he is blunt and to the point and direct and honest and he's not and he really isn't a traditional politician but he's also just a huge prick yeah (laughs) just a jerk Mm. and but like like you said it's it's a little bit extra it's what that is is that's a new york thing that's a new york thing you go to new york somebody will jack your cab from you they'll just steal your cab run up and take your cab you say hey what are you doing they go fuck you this is new york and that that's it you know because apparently saying this is New York is basically your way of being like, I am allowed to be an asshole. I can I, I could buy that if Trump had been reared on the mean streets of New York. But he was brought up in like a military academy. He wasn't exposed to New York you're, as a child. You're down on the front lines with some of the degenerates and the derelicts out there. I mean, yeah, you're right. He's He's not seen it as much as Joe Schmo might, but... Yeah, I'm. Just, I don't know. I'm just saying that's like I said. That's, I just feel like maybe that's a New York thing, but but. Uh, well, good job uh, alienating one of the largest audiences in the country. <laughs> yeah, we we were big over there too. New York, you suck. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I actually, honestly, I haven't been. Actually, that's one place I need to go. Oh, but, so you're speaking from sheer ignorance? Yeah, well, no, I I've, I've heard this from people who live there. Oh, but um. One thing about New York, though, man, what scares me is those, those fucking rats, dude. Those fucking rats. They're going to take over that city. You mean eventually. Italians? <laughs> the fucking guidos. The goddamn grease balls. No, uh, those, literally the rats. Like, I watched a video the other day. I'm sure you might have seen this, no, but I'm I sure don't. a lot of people have seen this. There's a video of a rat, a gigantic rat, in a public park hunting down a pigeon. Hunts down a pigeon. How big was it? The rat itself was, I, I'd say, he's probably six to eight inches long. Oh, Not gigantic. Yeah. But he's, he jacked a fucking pigeon. He chased it, too. The bird got away for a second, and he's like, oh, no, you're not getting, no, you're not doing that. Boom, got him, drug him into the bushes, never to be seen again. That's a good sign. That means the rats are hungry. That means the sanitation department's doing a good job getting rid of rat food sources, you know? What if he just wanted something fresh and not a three-day-old piece of pizza? Well, that's fucked up. Yeah, that would be a little freaky. Maybe that pigeon wronged him. Maybe that's what it was. That means they're getting intelligent and vindictive. (laughs) Pigeons have got to be the Irish of the bird community. (laughs) (laughs) They're getting shut on by everybody. I've seen another video where a turtle, one's sitting on the side of the pool, and just this little turtle, not even an aggressive turtle, comes over and just jacks him, brings him into the water and drowns his ass. Yeah, there's probably something we don't know about pigeon in the pigeon world. They were probably horrible in a previous life. They had to have been. I mean, their natural coat looks like another bird shit on them. <laughs> That's their natural coat. It's camouflage. You know, they blend in better that way. You know what it is? It's because they're uh, they're uh, they're like the homeless of the bird population. Like, yeah. You know, other birds don't come up to you and beg for food, but pigeons are like aggressive panhandlers of the bird community. Yeah. I one time I was down in Seattle. I was like going to the underground for a show. We got a little bit longer, and 
I went to this back alley and I saw a um, a seagull who was carrying in his mouth a dead pigeon. And I was like, man, you got... That's forbidden love right there. <laughs> this is the, the grimiest of the grimy here. All right? You got the bottom of the barrel, two worst birds out there. And they're just fucking in a love scene. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was just like... <laughs> Made me. I haven't been to that part of the neighborhood since. A uh, little, little too rough for me. A little too rough. The seagull is Trump, and the pigeon is Pence. <laughs> That's the, these people who want impeachment too. I wonder if they realize that it, that Pence would be the president. I don't know anything did. about Pence. I didn't know anything about Trump, and I actually never really paid much attention to politics. It's just gotten so hard not to write jokes. I'm doing bunny ears around jokes well, yeah. <laughs> about, about about what's going on. Well, it's, Mainly a, gold, it's, it's a gold mine for a comedian. Well, it's not just a gold mine. It's just prevalent, and it's scaring the fuck out of me too. Like I was, uh, I was thinking a lot about North Korea and stuff too. Um, oh man! And you know the really annoying thing is, is I'm writing good stuff, and then I see it getting done by better comedians ahead of me. <laughs> or, and this is the part that's really fucking annoying. Or it just actually happens. Like that's annoying. It unfolds and then the punchline's dead. I had this, yeah. I I had this whole bit I was doing about um, Trump being transgender, and uh, I was doing this bit about. Um, and he hacked it off. No, no, no. But oh. then he did the transgender ban. Oh. And of okay. course, okay. within a week, every comedian in the world has a joke about how Trump is actually transgender. Oh, he just did the ban so he can't get drafted because he's actually... It's like, fuck, I can't do my transgender jo-. Like, it was a really funny bit about how, like, it was all about Trump versus Hillary 2016 and how Trump's big Trump card at the end of 2018 midterms is going to be like, he's going to come out as a woman. He's going to be the first woman president. <laughs> in your face, Hillary. Hillary's actually a man. And so she's not a lesbian with Uma Abedin. She's actually in a consummate relationship. What are you that talking be, that'd about? That'd be crazy. What are you talking about? Uh, she's has a she has a relationship going on with Anthony Weiner's wife. Oh, it's complicated. You know, it's complicated. Oh. It's open relationship. But did you know that if I wish she had won just <laughs> for the historical precedent, because if she had won, then she would have been the first president since Truman with a mustache. <laughs> Since Truman, old Harry. <laughs> I actually, I actually wish she would have got it too, but so because she could have completely screwed it up, and then we could have had a constitutional amendment that says you have to be a man <laughs> to be the president. <laughs> we gave you bitches a shot, and you blew it. It's the only reason we let Barack win. God damn it! That's look how that turned out. <laughs> he's he's he personifies a single woman. Oh, come on. <laughs> He was raised by one. That's just like me. All right. Well, you uh, you got some places to be here. You got to go hit the spot with that new tranny joke. Oh, shit. I shouldn't have said tranny. Fuck. That's all right. I'm not offended. That's true. Yeah. Did I tell you about that? Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm coming out. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Coming out like, like for dinner? Or? I got nothing. No, I got nothing. That's exciting. Oh, Blake. Kiltop. No, don't even my real name. Blake Kiltop, folks. <laughs> no, this was this was good. This was uh, different, a little out. off track. You know, this, these are weird times we're at <sighs> right now, man. It's it, it affects everything, and that's kind of why. As much as I don't like to be a naysayer, I feel like this might be a little bit different. You know, you know this, what? This seems like this is going to stick. I want to I want to talk about something else real quick, just because I 
if you do this show and publish it, I want people to know I actually am funny. I'm not just a extremely. <laughs> They've heard you be funny. I just come on, humor me. Uh, I've been working on this whole idea about Jesus being um, gay because how dare you? Yeah, well, there's there's. I'm not going to do the jokes, but there's just this idea that's been floating around in my head about civil rights and how like we've been dealing with um dealing with we've been discussing Jesus being black for about 50 years now and that's because of integration uh you know as a culture integrates another culture every trope gets questioned or absorbed we we absorb black music we absorb black art and why not question the ethnicity of our of our religious figures too and it makes sense like from a geo- ethno-geographic standpoint, of course he wasn't white. Again, I'm, I'm skipping over the jokes. I was just thinking about that point and the fact that, okay, integration leads to questioning Jesus. Well, it makes, I, and this is, I sincerely believe that over the next 50 years, as civil rights for the gay community progresses, we're going to seriously be debating whether or not Jesus was gay. I think it's I think it actually makes sense too. Like it's it's not it doesn't conflict with anything in the Bible. Uh and um if you if you skip over the jokes, I kind of lose my train of thought. <laughs> and uh I'm not saying that like I'm not saying Jesus was out Second dick. That that that's my point. I'm not. I don't mean that. I it's hope not, you wouldn't. I, there, I'm just like there are priests who are gay who are celibate. I'm still Jesus was still celibate. Just if he was man in, uh, if he was God in man's flesh, which is pretty gay, and he had to feel the appetites of a man based on everything else. I'm saying those appetites were cock. And mm. also, I wouldn't. I wouldn't assume Human that Jesus. Flesh. <laughs> I wouldn't assume that Jesus was sucking dick. Anyway, he was God. He, other people would suck his dick. Yeah. Like, that would be his... Come thing. on. I mean, yeah. But I say all this... Or he'd suck his own. Oh, yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. That would get... I would convert right there. Yeah. No circumcision, and I can suck my own dick? Him Absolutely. and Steve Bannon. <laughs> now, some people don't like this whole joke. Some people get <laughs> offended. And it's like, I want to get inside their head and be like, what are you offended about? Like, I really want someone to one day just stand up in the middle of a show and be like, hey man, fuck you. Jesus loved pussy. <laughs> That's what I want to have. Guy was a pussy fiend, all right? I loved pussy. He got it all over town. <laughs> Couldn't, you had to beat him off. <laughs> I agree with you on the Jesus not being white thing. I'll give you that. But here's the whole conundrum of that situation though. If Jesus isn't white, how is that possible when once they got successful, the Jews became white in this country? They're just lumped in with white people now. White people love to fuck. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to deny that, Blake. All right. we saw. I saw you on Tinder. White people be breeding. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough these days. Not enough. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to respond to that. I've... Uh... I've never considered Jewish people white. They are though. They when, once they became successful, they're now white. Oh, is that the litmus test for white is success? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I guess I'm not white. Yeah. About 1950, 1960, they started taking over Hollywood, and then we decided, okay, well, they're white now. They're white. Well, they took over the narrative, so of course we get they. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know what? That's true. Maybe it was them that was pushing it. Like, oh, no, we're white. Yeah, yeah. We're, no, we're totally white. Maybe yeah. white is actually something we don't even know what it is anymore because of the Jews. Mm-hmm. God, wouldn't that be funny if the white... If the white racists gave themselves an identity crisis just by like <laughs> these sorts of questions, like they all got together and got really high, and then it was like, wait a bit, how do we even know what white is? It's just a bunch of shit that we see in the movies made by Jews. Oh man, I don't even know what I am God, anymore. We hate Jews. I don't want to go with them. Guys, remember like your di- grandpa? He doesn't like Irish people. He says they're not white. What the fuck, man? <laughs> And honestly, we're the only race so that are such big pussies that we could actually pull something like that off. We're the well, only race that could do that to ourselves. We're the only race that has such a weird. We're only one that's so. Old, we have a weird ethnomasochist. Like you can't, you can't be white if you have anything else. Like that's that's it's it's really just like the color wheel. Like if it's white, then there can't be any other colors mixed. Otherwise, it's you know a very slight. If you're white and you have a little bit of black in you, then you're not white anymore. But if you're black, I think and you're better you, than white, though. If you're black and you have a little bit of white, and you're still black, like white is the only race that's really defined by racism. It's an interesting conundrum to try to to fill out one of those surveys and to like be like, am I Caucasian or do I just hit other? Because I don't, I don't even know. Yeah. To bring it back to the whole Jesus thing, actually, I guess you're talking about Jesus. You're not talking about God, so. Yeah, I mean, the time will come, man. I I do talk about God, too, because it's like, the question I have is like, if you're going to really insist on Jesus being white, which people do, because it makes them uncomfortable, I guess, that means that, like, you know, this is Nazareth, it's right by Egypt, just on the other side of the Red Sea, it's right there in the Middle East, and if God had to make a white baby, that means God was like really racist. Like he, like if Jesus was white for sure, then God was picking out the one white girl in all of Nazareth and all. He was just like, like creepy Craigslist ad, creepy racist, mm-hmm. like you know, looking for a white tenant. Yeah. Oh man! All right, yeah. Let's wrap this baby up. I gotta go, man. Yeah, you got to get going here. Um, thank you guys for joining us. Appreciate you coming out here. Uh, another episode of an earful in the Emerald City. We got this. Is, this is a little more serious than me and Mister Kiltoff over here usually get. But uh, again, these are some charged times we're living in right now. So uh, that's the thing. We gotta we gotta try to ratchet it down, though, you guys. We gotta ratchet this shit down. There's people behind the scenes here. I don't know who exactly they are, but they want everybody fighting. They want everybody fighting. They're going for all different lines. They don't care where we draw the battle lines as long as they get drawn. Just somewhere on the map, we need to draw a battle line. So we need it's it's on us as individuals to tone the thing down. You know, make sure we can talk to each other and discuss ideas. That's that's one of the greatest parts of this country is we're allowed to discuss ideas with each other, and we don't even have to agree. You know, there's this wonderful Greek play by Aristophanes called Lysistrata. And the the synopsis of it is is that the women of Greece are pissed that their men keep starting wars. And so they just stop fucking. They just hold out. And over the course of a two- or three-act play, the men get more and more frustrated and argumentative until until the women explain, like, we are not fucking you until you make peace. And then it's like paradise. It, you know, Aristophanes was a comedian and he wrote comic plays. So it ends on a happy note. That's it. That's, yeah. And that's, I only bring that up as a suggestion. Like if, if you feel like, 
I, I got to that because you were like, someone behind the scenes is ratcheting up. It's like, oh, sounds like Ares, God of War, you know, like mysterious cosmic force making us hate each other and fight. Well, I'm not saying Ares was in Lysistrata, but that was also Greek. So I got there and I was like, you know, that's actually a good strategy. If women would just, or gay guy, if just people would just stop putting out, you know, mm. everyone has a relationship where they're the top or the bottom. If the bottom would just stop putting out, unless you're with a rapist, then every, and then you the conversation, like, why are you, come on, I love you, baby. And you just be like, no, not until we solve our national crisis. There's one word why that can't work. Feminism. That's why that can't work. I agree with you. Big things can happen if uh, the ladies hold out. Not that that works out in our favor, that I want that to happen. But uh, yeah, feminism, it's not going to happen. Independent women, they can do whatever they want. You're not going to slut shame them, all right? I'm not slut shaming them. I'm I'm empowering them. Yeah. Well, it, they're, they they're should empowering buy some themselves. Hitachi wands and some. They're empowering male. themselves to be a colostomy bag right. for cum uh, all over town. You know what we should do is make uh, sex robots, but stop making the female ones, and that would solve the problem. That then women can be empowered. They could fuck their super stud robots. We'd all be jealous and angry and be like, "What can we do?" Stop. And they could be like, "Just stop." fighting and then that would solve the problem it's so funny like even though i'm talking with different people we end up having kind of similar conversations we were talking about this well that reminds me of the old saying you know if you if you wake up in the morning and everyone at the coffee shop's an asshole and everyone on the freeway is an asshole and you get to work and your boss starts talking and you're like oh god this guy's an asshole if everyone you meet is an asshole it's probably you yeah yeah so if all your conversations are the same it's probably you Mm mm-hmm Self-awareness. Got to look internally sometimes, you guys, to see the real demon out there. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Appreciate it. Another episode of An Earful in the Emerald City. Um, not sure how the sound quality turned out on this one, you guys, to be honest. I hope it wasn't too bad. i am been messing around with some things here a little bit, so I'll try to get it dialed back in a little tighter there. But, yeah, we appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, I don't know exactly what number this episode is going to be. Somewhere in the high, high 80s here. We're I got a couple in the can, so... Uh, But thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate it. Another episode. Um, Thanks for listening, and we will talk with you guys next week.